Welcome to Career Tools. This week, how to be a team player. The questions this class answers are, what do I need to do in order to be thought of as a team player? What are the behaviours of team players? And why is being a team player important? We see all the time in job descriptions and in articles by managers and in the conversations we have with managers too and people are always saying I want a team player and there's hardly any jobs now where you don't get to work in a team there's there's very few jobs where it's just you on an island somewhere doing nothing or doing nothing with other people in fact I was reading something about some lady who lives on an island in the far right hand side of Canada in, in those islands that are there and it's only her on the island that's all she's she just lives there on her own and it's foggy 149 days of the year which just sounds awful to me and I was thinking this poor lady she lives there all on her own she never sees any people but it turns out that this island is part of a national park and so the park rangers come and she does research for them and then people uh, come to spend a few days there during the summer they send on a you know isolated island so it turns out that despite the fact that she's on this island that nobody else lives on she sees people all the time uh and an airplane comes in once every two weeks to bring her supplies so there's literally nothing you can do to get away from people it seems <laughs> and being a team player is huge if you want a successful career as we often say it's all about what you know in the first in the first part of your career but the further you go in your career the more it's about working with people and working through people and um, being a team player is really important and most of us can describe what a who a team player is you can say oh bob's a team player or brian's a t- team player but it's really hard to describe what it is that they do that makes them a team player and that's what we want to talk about today yeah we've got four things that you can do to make you a better team player you know, we're not trying to give you guidance on how to be. We just want to give you guidance on the behaviors to engage in that will show other people, will mean to other people, that what you're doing can be characterized as being a team player. So our four points today are volunteer, and then we're going to talk about what you'll learn, and giving public support, and offering to help. Those are our four points for today. And the first is volunteer. People who volunteer for tasks and, and raise their hand when we're asked, you know, who, who's willing to help with this, who's willing to be involved with this, they're seen more positively than those people who do not, right? And volunteering means saying, I'm willing to go or I can assist you and things like that publicly in meetings, for example, or, you know, in conference calls and things like that. And there's going to be a theme today. We're going to talk about this around saying things publicly you can volunteer to offer to help in private. And there's often value, even maybe more value in doing so publicly. Some of this is about perception. And it's often when, in my experience, when you volunteer privately, it's more like a favor, right? It's more like it's Mm -hmm. seen as a personal favor. When you volunteer publicly, it gives the perception that you're a team player. So it's really about the perception sometimes, the behavior is, we're going to give you the behaviors and this is going to help to help others perceive you as a team player. There's also something, uh, if you're offering publicly, there's something 
helpful to a colleague who's finding it difficult to accept help that if you say it publicly within earshot of your boss or within earshot of other people and those people take you up on that help on behalf of the colleague who's struggling that helps the person save face it's not like they've asked for help it's you've offered help and somebody else had said has said hey that's a really good idea we do this a lot um on our ops call that we have every Friday. Every Friday we go through everybody's work, everybody reports on their work. And for instance, Kate, you might say, uh, I have these emails to send out to tell people about our conferences, but I'm also traveling. And someone might say, hey, you know, I can send those out for you or I can set those up and then you can just go in and, and change them. And for you, you're not saying, hey, I can't do this. You're, you're just saying, you know, it's a bit tight. I've got these things and I'm traveling. And somebody else has taken the burden of asking for help and taking on that help. They're taking that away from you. Because often people think everybody's busy and I can't ask for help because everybody's got loads to do. Whereas if you're the team player and you volunteer to help, you're telling that person, hey, it's okay to ask me. And in fact, you don't even have to ask me. I'm going to help you help me. I'm going to help you by asking myself for help and offering it to you. Mm -hmm. It's so nice to have someone offer to help because it's true. You don't, you don't often think about asking as much. It doesn't even occur to me sometimes to ask. But if somebody offers, it's just so nice to have that. It really does feel for the person who is being offered the help, right, that you're being a team player. That's the thing. Okay, I've, I'm here. We're on a team together. You're not alone in this. It's really professional behavior. And sometimes it's hard if you are the one who needs help. It's hard to know what to ask other people to do. It's easier if I volunteer, hey, I can load those emails into MailChimp for you. It's easier for me to know what I have time to do and what could be helpful than it is for you to just say, I need help. It's harder for you to know what time I have, what things might be doable for me, and therefore it's harder for you to ask for specific help. Whereas when I volunteer, there's something specific that I can say, I can do this for you. And you'll know whether or not that that's helpful. Another great thing about volunteering is that you can volunteer kind of specifically. So you can say things like, I can help with this portion of that, which means that you're more likely to get to do the thing that you're good at or that you have time for or that you understand. So that's good. Part of the value of volunteering is that you're going to get to do the things that you're, you're going to have a clear understanding of what you're volunteering for, right? Because you're saying, oh, I can help with that. And so sometimes you get to be specific about what you're volunteering for. We're not always going to get to volunteer for perfect things, though. No. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you have to volunteer to do some grunt work, some stuff that maybe nobody wants to do. Um, maybe the team's having a public seminar, and you could be there early, move the tables, um, fiddle with the projector. We do this for public conferences. I cannot tell you how nice it is if you're presenting and someone comes to the conference. Like when Wendy, when you came to the conference with me in Palo Alto, to have you there helping set up and, and tear down, it sounds so small, right? Help move the tables and put the decks out and fix the projector and things like that. It sounds so small, but it's so helpful for the person, the other person. It really makes the other person feel great about the fact that they don't have to do everything. You can bring a speaker. There's all kinds of things that you can do to be helpful. And being the one who 
does these things and has a smile on their face while they're doing it really creates a perception that you're willing to help and that you're happy about it. And that's part of being in service to the team. And there's a lot of people who, I see things sometimes that say, I can't believe that critters, they tell me to do all this extra work and they don't understand. I only get paid for 40 hours a week. Why should I do any extra? Um, or it's it's not fair if I volunteer. I'm not always the one who volunteers. I always do the extra work and none of my teammates do and, and so on. And I understand that feeling. I understand that it's frustrating to have to do extra or to have to be the one who volunteers and nobody else does. It's it's frustrating and it and it feels like you're being put upon. And if that's how volunteering feels and if it's not is if it's not possible for you to be there early, if it's not possible for you to do the volunteering on this occasion, if it's not possible for you to fit in extra work in your day, and help someone else out, then that's fine. We're not saying do it at the detriment of your own work. On the other hand, there's this meme about it being clever to get out of doing work. And, you know, oh, I sit all day and on Reddit and I don't really do any work. Or, I automated all my job and I don't have to do any work. Or I just do my job and I leave at the end of the day and I don't worry about anybody else. It's fine if that's how you want to be, but the people who do the minimum don't get the promotions, the pay rises, or the other benefits like, oh, you get to go to a conference in Florida in January. Right. We don't want you to always be at work. We're not saying live to work if you're not that kind of person. We don't want you to never be at home and never see your family. But there's a place in between where you're doing more than the minimum and you're getting the benefits of that, and you're still getting home at a reasonable time, or you're still getting your weekends, or you're still getting whatever it is that you want out of it. If you want to get ahead and be known as a team player, then you have to do a little bit more than just my 40 hours hours a week, and I leave at the end of the day, and I don't think about it until Monday. Exactly. We can't create a perception based on not being helpful, right? Yeah, exactly. And all of these are suggestions for what to do, right? The first thing is volunteer. And what you'll learn from that is that you do have time to do some of this stuff. We know a bunch of you are thinking, hey, I'm I'm really busy. And we talk about this at the conference. People tell me often how busy they are. We think, okay, I'm busy and I'm already a good enough team player. I feel like a team player. I don't really have time to do this or do more things. And to some extent, you're probably right. You are a good enough team player and you're probably swamped. Most of us are busy, pretty busy people. So let's try a thought experiment. Consider that you have all the skills and experience that you have today and you have to do one job, one day of the job that you had five years ago. So you're still yourself, you're yourself. You get to go back in time and do your job from five years ago for a day. If you think about that, it would be pretty easy, right? I mean, you probably get all of your work done by three or four in the afternoon. You might be able to leave early. In the five years that have passed since you did that job, you've learned how to be more effective and do more work. You've essentially created capacity by building your knowledge and abilities. If you've created that capacity, you can do it again to give yourself time to volunteer. You can create some space. You can get a little bit more efficient. 
Parkinson's law teaches us that work actually expands to fill the time available. If you have an hour to do something, you'll use up that whole hour. It will take an hour. And Horseman, Mark Horseman, Horseman's corollary says that work contracts to fit the time that we give it. So if we give ourselves 15 minutes to do the same piece of work, we'll actually get it down to 15 minutes. It'll take 15 minutes. The time that any one piece of work takes to accomplish is actually pretty elastic. And we want to pay attention to that. Yeah, it's not infinitely elastic. You know, maybe that if you have an hour of work, it takes you 50 minutes or 55 minutes. Maybe you only shave off five minutes. But it is definitely there is some elasticity there. I know how long it takes me to write show notes. And there's some days it only takes me an hour and 15 minutes. And there's definitely some days it takes me three hours. And that depends on what time my first meeting is, because I always write before. My writing time is the first thing I do in the day. And if my first meeting's at 10.15, it's amazing how much faster I write than if my first meeting's not till one o'clock. Mm-hmm. So volunteering to help others is going to increase your workload, of course, because you're taking on extra work. But that teaches you to more closely manage your schedule in order to fit that work in. You're actually learning something of value to you. You're learning how to do more work in less time because you're being kind of forced to by volunteering. And you'll become more creative in saving time to complete that work. If you have to do something, it's amazing how many ways you can find to actually achieve that thing. And that would be a really good reason for volunteering, right? I volunteered because it forces me to be more efficient and learn how to do more things. But if you want to be promoted, then you have to increase your capacity to do more work. If you think about being promoted and still working 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week, however many hours a week you work, then since there's more work to do at a higher level in that higher level job, you're going to have to learn how to do more work at a higher level in the same time if you want that higher job. The people in the organization a level above you are doing more work at a higher level. That's why they're getting paid more. So by, the, by volunteering, you're experimenting with the line between eustress, which is just enough stress to help you get things done efficiently without stressing you out, and too much stress, distress, where, you know, you can't work because your brain goes, Ooh, when it's <laughs> too, too stressed. You are finding out how much more you can do, and that tells you something about your ability to do the next job. You know, if you're thinking, hey, I really want to get promoted in the next year, and I don't know how much more work I can do, then volunteer to do something extra. And that will tell you, hey, I can add another hour in my week. I can add another two hours in my week. And, you know, the, the career tools promotion rule, the manager tools promotion rule says that you need to be able to do 150% of your job before you get promoted. Otherwise, the jump is too much and and you're not successful in that higher job. If you're working a 40-hour week, you've got another 20 hours to fit in there of the higher level job before you can get promoted. And so this experiment with how far can I go, what can I do, how creative can I be, is really valuable. And you can do it just by volunteering to help someone out. It's so cool that you can do that, that you can expand your capability and get ready for the next role, right? It's a, it's a secret way. Like it's like a secret trick to get ready for the next role. And obviously there's a limit and quality. You know, you can, if you're doing too much, the quality can be impacted. But 
perfect quality isn't the goal anyway. We, we never do anything perfectly. It's not about perfect. It's about good enough a lot of the time. Yeah, perfection is definitely not the goal. So another way that we can be seen as a team player is to give public support. One of the definitions of team player is someone who puts the needs of the team above their own. Someone who isn't a team player tends to think of themselves first for various reasons, but a team player supports their team in the successes and they put their need for admiration and accolades to the side to celebrate the work of others in the team. So when a teammate is presenting an idea, whether it's a formal presentation or maybe it's just an idea in the meeting, hey, how does this sound? We support them. We say things like good idea or I like that idea or I agree with Bob. Now, of course, there's going to be times when you don't agree or you don't think it's a good idea. And you don't have to say that you agree if you don't. But there's often far more opportunities to be positive than we think. We tend to focus on the negatives and like the outliers. And so we tend to focus on those things that stick with us. There's a lot of times when there's opportunities to agree or even just to be supportive or to say, thank you. That really made me think about something else, something positive, something supportive. We want to think about, you know, in our meetings, people speak up, they share things. And if we are not supportive, if we, if we don't give public support, we might get into a situation where people stop sharing their ideas because they don't feel like anyone likes their ideas. Yeah, that's a really good point. Let's do another thought experiment because they're fun. Um, <laughs> if we think about a team meeting and there's people throwing out ideas for a solution for a problem that one person is having. So Bob's having a problem and people are just throwing out the ideas they have for solving this problem. There's three things you can do. You can be positive and supportive. You can say, I agree, or I like that idea, whatever. You can be neutral and say nothing, or you can disagree, right? Just three things. All you have to do to be more supportive is to convert the neutral times into positive times. So often when we don't say anything, it's because we agree broadly or we feel like we don't have anything to add or we don't have anything negative to say, and so we say nothing. So instead of saying nothing, say something positive. And you might feel like, oh, why would I say I agree when, you know, someone's already come up with an idea. Bob said, oh, yeah, that might work. Why? How does my saying I agree or I think that's a good idea, how does that add to what's going on? Well, let's say there's six people in a team meeting, including the boss, and Bob throws out an idea and one person says, I like that idea. Now, we could surmise that that's actually not a good idea because only two people think it's a good idea, right? So the preponderance is on four people who are either neutral or think it's a bad idea. Whereas if four people say, if Bob says, I've got this idea, and four people say, hey, that's a good idea, I like that idea, they're not really doing any more than when they said nothing, and yet this now... Bob knows there's four people on his side and the idea is more likely to get done, right? When you're not saying anything, you're creating this false, this illusion that the idea is not a good one or the idea is not workable. When it's not actually true, if you feel neutral about it or you feel positive but you're not saying it because you think other people have said it, 
you know, there's more support for that idea than is being said out loud. That's why saying things out loud, even if it's the same as what other people have said, is important. Absolutely. It feels really good, too, to the person who hears it. The person who hears it says, oh, okay, good. At least I'm not crazy, right? So it's hard to, it's really hard to bring your ideas to a meeting sometimes. I I often feel like, well, this idea, maybe it's too obvious or maybe I'm, I don't understand and things like that. And so we really are giving the person who's bringing their ideas, which, which are always good things to have ideas, fresh ideas, even if they don't work out. We're, we're giving that person a sense that what they're saying is valuable and by saying something positive. And it's really simple. That It's so simple to take even just a neutral thing and even just say thank you. Mm-hmm. People just really appreciate the, the support. It, the bar for this is really low. This happened to me once, actually. Judy, who does, our, who does my travel, who works with us, she one time got a phone call from me because I just wanted to say thank you for something that she had done. And she still remembers it. it was a, it's been a year now. And even just a thank you, it wasn't even something big. And you can do that as well. You could just call one of your coworkers and say, you know, I appreciate that. The bar is really low for positive stuff. Sadly. Yeah, it is. It's really sad. And the great thing about this is doing this publicly really gives the impression to the rest of the team that you're a positive person and that makes it feel like you're a team player. So we know that putting yourself out there and voicing these things is hard. We don't really say anything positive to the people who do it though. So we want to encourage you to do that, to say positive things to them and and to give them kudos and And it's simple, right? We're not asking you to be effusive. We're asking you just to acknowledge their work and their point of view and them speaking up. And that will also help them and the rest of the team to see us as a team player. It's that old quote that in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Yeah, it's amazing how little you have to do to be ahead of the pack. It's one of those really simple tricks that changes everything, the perception, everyone's perception of of the things that you're saying. So another really simple trick that's helpful to change perceptions and to help people think of you as a team player is to offer to help. It's one thing to help your teammates when they ask you, but it's quite different to offer help before they've asked publicly. So in meetings or, or on conference calls or things like that, in situations where one team member is just really suffering, they're just way underwater with their workload, the team player will notice that. They can say, oh, okay, this person's struggling and they can offer to help. And you have to know your teammates and you have to know the signs of them being overloaded. Mm-hmm. So this morning, for instance, I was looking at our customer service queue and the conference team, which consists of Kate and Sarah, had 10 or 15 emails to reply to. And for a moment, I thought, hmm, are they going to be able to do that? Is that too many for them? And then I remembered Kate's not traveling. Sarah is, but Kate's not traveling. So Kate's home and 10 to 15 emails is doable for her. But had she been traveling? I would have offered, hey, I can fit in some extra today. I can, do you want me to just go through the emails and see if there's anything urgent? And I had to know what the level of their workload is like. I have to know how many emails is doable. And I have to know where they are in order to make the judgment as to whether or not I should offer to help. You really have to be paying attention to Mm -hmm. what's going on around you. This is one of those times too, where our rule about, more communication is better, really helps. Because I talk to Sarah a lot when she's traveling for conferences, right? Because there's a chance Sarah might need help 
with her email at the end of the day. Maybe she's too tired after she's presented all day to deal with some certain things. And so I'll often call her at the end of the day and ask, hey, do you need anything? Can I help? You know, here's the stuff that you don't have to do. And I talked to her last night and we we heard, and I think, Wendy, you heard too, that she wasn't feeling well. So we offered this afternoon to move a meeting that would have been kind of late in the day for Sarah so that she could rest and things like that. And so that communication that I had, which isn't something that everyone would think to do if they're not a person who communicates a lot, if you're a taciturn person, just communicating with your team members can help you to understand if they need a little bit of help. Because sometimes we do. Everybody needs help sometimes. And even if I, even if we don't need help, even if I was traveling and I could handle 15 emails, having you offer, Wendy, to take care of some of that would have probably made my day, <laughs> right? If I was traveling and I got a note that was like, hey, do you want me to help with a few of these emails? Even if it, w- it was just three of them, that would have made my day to know that, you know, I wasn't by myself and I didn't have to panic. And, you know, I just would feel, I would feel so good. So you, you have to know if they're overloaded. You have to be listening when they're reporting on their project calls. If if that's, you know, if you have a staff call and everyone reports on how they're doing, you have to be listening. You have to take an interest in how many tickets they have on their, on their help, you know, in your help desk system. If you've got a ticketing system for bugs or errors or whatever, and you only ever look at your list, then start looking at other people's lists and see how long they are compared to you and look at the complexity of what they're doing compared with you. You don't have to do anything immediately, but you have to start paying attention. You have to note when their busy times are. You have to watch their body language or listen to their tone of voice when you're talking to them. And anytime you hear something a bit negative, then that's an opportunity for you to help. Do they seem a bit dejected? Do they seem overwhelmed? Do they seem frustrated? Anytime there's an emotion, it tells you something about how they're coping and whether or not you can help. I often say, you know, if, if you're calling someone and they answer the phone and they just go, hi, hi, <laughs> and normally they're a really bubbly person, that tells you, hey, you know, you say, how are you? And they go, good. And you think, that doesn't sound very good not compared with how you usually are, you know, Mm -hmm. it's telling you something and giving you an opportunity to help. That's so true. There are so many opportunities to help. We just really need to pay attention to them. So if we're going to learn to listen and pay attention to workloads and, you know, offer, then we need to be specific when we do offer. So, hey, do you need some help is good. It's great to offer, but hey, would it help if I looked at your TPS reports this week is better, right? Something specific. When someone's drowning in their work, it's really often hard for them to pick out what someone else could take on. Maybe they don't know enough about what you know how to do. Or even, you know, I kind of think about this the way we think about delegation. When you're thinking about what to delegate, it feels really intertwined sometimes and you just can't really separate things. If you don't know what to pick or what to give to someone else, it can be really hard to make that decision. So in order for us to alleviate that for our team members, we can be specific about what we can help them with. We can offer to take a specific item or a specific set of things that we know we can get done so that we've taken the burden of the decision off of them as well. So it's not just, hey, I'd like to help you. It's, hey, I'd like to help you. And you don't have to pick, I'll do it for you. Now they could say, hey, you know, 
I really actually need help with this other thing. That's fine. But at least they know you're open. The other thing is asking for something specific really makes it clear that you actually want to help. Because sometimes people say, oh, hey, do you need any, do you need anything? And people say that a lot. I'm not always sure that they actually are offering. It sounds sometimes it's like they're, they're it's really nice, but I don't always know if they really mean it. And sometimes it's like, you know what, it's easier to do it myself. It's like when you're moving and someone says, hey, can I help you move? And that person is like, I don't know whether you really want to help me. Whereas the person that says, what time is the truck getting there? I can be there at nine. Is that good for you? That's a di- really different. It's like, you know that person's coming to help. Exactly. It's really clear that they'll be there and that they they want to help. They've actually thought it through. That's part of it too. It's like, okay, you've actually put some thought into whether or not you can help me. And that's really important often. So in some teams, one of the things that you can offer to help with something specific is the stuff that kind of floats around. Like for example, you were talking about our customer service queue today. That's something that we all are aware of. And there's a group of us that work on it, but we all have different parts of it. And that's one of those things that maybe you could volunteer to help with the way Wendy was talking about. If you know your teammates are swamped, you could take that over and it would be really helpful, right? Even just one thing off the list at the end of the day can be helpful. And all you have to do is say, I can do that or I can help or I've got time. And even, you know, just say, I've got time. Would it be helpful if I looked at the customer service queue for you today? Or I've got time. Can I, you know, monitor the social media account? That's one of the things that we do that floats around. Asking specifically, like publicly and specifically is really helpful. And you don't have to worry if no one takes you up on the offer right away. Sometimes it's hard for people to say, yes, I need help. And it's also hard to delegate work to other people. People get nervous. They have concerns about that. Maybe your teammate needs to decide that it's okay, but just keep offering because, you know, a big part of this cast, right, is that it's really great to help. But the biggest part of this cast is this is what it takes to be a team player. Team players offer to help. If nobody says yes, that's okay. At least they know that you're there. And maybe in a couple of days they come back and say, hey, you know what? I changed my mind. I really do need help. This is about how you can behave in order to let your teammates know that you're on the team and that you're willing to help. And just in case it's not obvious, because we haven't said this specifically yet, you have to actually do a good job. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe you won't do the job to the same level as your colleague would do it, but you have to do a decent job. If the work has to be redone, you haven't saved anybody any time or effort, right? If they have to do it over, there was no point in you helping. And if you're going to lead a lot of direction, then don't help, offer to help with that piece of the work. You know, if I was going to help Maggie, I would not offer to help her send emails to her clients or our our clients because one that's kind of something she has a special relationship with our clients and me getting in the middle won't help and two she's good at it no I'm not whereas if I offered to help her I would offer something about a spreadsheet or a word document because I know she finds those more difficult and I know how to do them you know I have more skills in that area so don't offer to do something that you're going to have to ask a lot of questions about. And if you don't think you're going to do a good job, then don't offer to do that piece of the work. You know, offering to do something specific means that you don't offer to do the things that you can't do. You offer to do the things that you can do well. That's what we said earlier. And that's, you know, that's one way that, I mean, you could decide to be a team player and offer to do everything and you would fail 
because you'd be offering to do things you can't do well. If you offer to do the things you do well, you know, then that's when you build your reputation as a team player. Absolutely. The things that we're, we're talking about, right, they don't have to be big. It doesn't, it's not like revelatory, right? We're, we're offering simple solutions, simple, simple behavioral solutions to help it be perceived that you're a team player. So when you are talking about doing things for others and volunteering and, and helping, it doesn't have to be anything huge. Even if it's just getting someone coffee at my old role at Orbital, I had a friend who used to do this for me and coming back to your desk and seeing a coffee on your desk in the afternoon, when you know you're going to be working late, like someone bringing you your Starbucks drink and just leaving it on your desk. It's so lovely. I had a time we there were supposed to be four of us and there were two and a half of us. And, you know, the father, the person who had the least amount of skills would say, hey, who wants a cup of tea and go and make it? Which is like, I love that person. Oh. I didn't care that they couldn't help me with the complicated stuff. The fact that they would do my photocopying and bring me a cup of tea made them worth diamonds in my mind. Absolutely. It's so nice just to have someone who's willing to help. And we have a cast, right, about one kind thing you know, just something simple or offer to bring them back lunch from the cafeteria or bring them a sandwich. If you're going out to lunch, you know, proofread something for them. Oh, I would love for someone to proofread myself. I'm so bad about stuff like that. But all you have to do is offer something small, something to make them feel like they're appreciated and to just lighten the load a little bit. Sometimes you get into a negative mindset when you're swamped and it feels really poorly. You feel you know, you just feel badly about the day, but something small from a kind gesture from someone else can maybe turn that around and make them feel better. There's just a lot of things that you could do to help your colleagues. Yeah. If you pay attention to them, it's amazing how many places you can find to help people out. And so there's no big secret to being a team player. That's one of the things when I was first working and, you know, you get a, um, performance review and it said, you need to be a better team player. And I never knew what that meant. And there's actually no secret to it. It's about paying attention to the people in your team. It's about helping them when you can and supporting them whenever possible. Just saying, I agree, or I support you, or I'll help you with that. And you do it out loud and publicly, and all of a sudden, you're a team player. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Wendy. Hope that was helpful. We'll be back next week. 